My name is Ja'Cory McCall, and this is... I'm Coleman Bryant. And we're so excited for you to join our last episode for this season, episode 10 with the Carolina Roll Call. Today we're at Holiday Brewing in Spartanburg, South Carolina, one of our favorite places to come hang out. And we're here today to kind of recap the season that we just had and talk about what we're going to do going forward. You know, and it is so awesome to sit back post-election after we talked about races, we talked about, um, you know, different candidates and really look how those races turned out. So today we'll kind of go over some of the races in South Carolina. We'll laugh, we'll joke, and we'll drink. So we're so excited to be here with Jim Holiday and his staff at Holiday Brewing and just to talk about races. So we'll start, the first race we did was Sandy Sin in Charleston. We drove down to Columbia. Um, and we couldn't find a time that worked for her and us, so we went right there when they were voting on the budget um, to talk about her race. So, you know, we just want to talk about how, what we were right about and what we were wrong about. So, Coleman? Yeah, Ja'Cory's actually really right. We were in a rush that day. We didn't even know if we were going to get to see uh, Sandy Sin. This is our first podcast. We actually interviewed her in the lobby of the State House. <laughs> I mean, standing up. Standing up. And we were able to get a 20 minute uh, interview in. Um, when we talk about this race, we always said it was going to be the closest race in South Carolina in the, in the state Senate. And uh, I think it I don't think we, uh, we, were, we weren't very far off. We, it, it was the closest race. It was less than 1,000 votes. It took them um, two to three days to even decide who won. It did. And uh, so we're really uh, happy that she uh, won. Um, we all, she had a great candidate. Um, and that's always going to be a competitive seat, um, even in the next four years. Um, so our next race we did. Well, just before we before we get on that, I think too to re. I think that you know just to take a moment there with Sandy, I think her race was so important because in Charleston that was one of the seats that Democrats really wanted, and you know you know people like Nancy Mace is also Joe Cunningham, and we interviewed Nancy Mace, and that's why Charleston was such a race to look at. We spent so much of our time and effort. Um, in Charleston because you saw so many polls saying Sandy was going to lose, Lynn Bennett was going to lose, which we interviewed, as well as Joe Cunningham. So I think it's super important for us to note that before we move on. And, you know, Charleston is an integral part of our state, the changing nature of our state. Uh, you know, in 2018, Joe Cunningham won uh, that first congressional district by 4,000 votes, and that's the glimmer of hope that made us think maybe we need to focus on this on this area. And I and, 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 and I and I would even go on to touch and say we did a very good job with that. I mean we built good relationships with people in Charleston um, through that. And and I mean we didn't just say, hey, we could be right, we could be wrong. The election said it. Their elections were so close that I mean it was very clear. Nancy Mays won with about fifteen hundred votes. Sandy Sin won about twelve or thirteen hundred votes. And Lynn Bennett actually had the most out of that margin but our opponent still outraised her. So we wasn't too far off in our conversations. You're right, I mean, we have great relationships. It kind of worked out in our favor. Now, we, going forward, we have great relationships with people who will be incumbents. Um, you got Lynn Bennett, who's re-elected. You got Sandy Sin, who was re-elected. And we have a new uh, representative in Charleston, uh, the Congresswoman-elect, uh, Nancy Mace, who we got to interview. Um, and we're so happy about that. And you know, I, I picture Nancy Mason, you know, from what she did in the State House and what she was able to do from our criminal justice bill to so many things, sort of sexual assault bill, whatever the situation was. But to interview Nancy Mason, I can say this was my first time ever hearing her story, you know, and I was inspired. I was inspired by somebody that's, you know, her, that said their life was a life of second chances, but they were able to actually show how that life was. So, you know, I understand this is a podcast and I know we talk about politics, 
Well, one of the coolest things about this podcast is I feel like this season we brought meaning to other people. That's, I, that, that's right. When we get to hear people's stories, uh, you know, Nancy Mace has a great story. She dropped out of high school. Um, she began working at Waffle House and got her GED, uh, I think at Tri-County Technical College in Charleston. Um, so she has an incredible story and she built her life up as a single mother. And the um, first woman to graduate from, from the, the Citadel. Citadel. You know, yeah. that, and, and the first Republican woman to be in D.C. from South Carolina. I mean, that is huge. And it's, I mean, that's a huge milestone in her life. And it's something that, you know, that we talked about um, this past week as she has won her race. We're starting to see her kind of follow in the footsteps of people who came before her. Absolutely. Which is kind of strange. You know, you got Mark Sanford and you got Joe Cunningham. Uh, she has kept their staff members. She is uh, giving a unifying message to the state, to her district. She knows it's a close seat. She knows she cannot be an extremist. She has to stay in the middle. And I, and I think, too, I think we bring up a point what Sandy Sin said in our first podcast is that we can't paint every Republican or Democrat with the same brush. They are different people. And I think what we're saying from Nancy Mace is who Nancy Mace is, an independent thinker, someone that understands the low country has to come first in that seat. But one thing that me and Coleman has talked about that I think we haven't mentioned enough in our podcast is why this election is so important. We kept saying this election is the most important thing. This election is the most important thing. And I think you hear that in every race. You know, this is the most election, important election in our lifetime. But I said that in this race, and I don't know about Coleman. I'll give him an opportunity to say why he said it. Was well, because the census, whoever won in these races in the state house here, they got to decide who was going to be the players in our next 10 years in those districts. They get to pick their voters. My read's a little bit different. Uh, it doesn't necessarily do with the Senate, uh, the census, uh, but that's what the issues that are going to be coming up in uh, our policy. Um, Health care's on the ballot. Uh, civil rights are on the ballot. Uh, the economy's on the ballot. Jobs are on the ballot. Those are things that are very important, and uh, that's why I said this was the most important election. I want to kind of go from, you know, Nancy Mace. We said, you know, she has an incredible story. She's an independent thinker. Someone else we interviewed that was just like that is uh, Mandy. Absolutely. You know, I had the opportunity to speak with Mandy um, twice since her race. And Mandy was a, was a person, you know, that I'm dear friends with, I've known for the last two years, somebody I strongly respect, um, that Mandy wasn't successful in her race. She lost her race. It was a very um, close race. And it was a race that, you know, two weeks beforehand, her post had her losing as well as the Republican post, and she lost. And, you know, Mandy is such a good person. To be the person on the opposite side where I identify as a Republican and Coleman identify as a Democrat, you know, Mandy is someone that has worked with both sides of the scope. She has been able to work with Republicans as well as Democrats. And she is, when I say this, I mean this in a apolitical way, she has helped move the state forward. You're right. And, she, you know, for those of you who don't know Mandy's story, Mandy uh, grew up in Lancaster. Um, she is um, the epitome of a small town girl. Um, when she graduated high school, she worked at the mill in Lancaster with her parents um, to get through college after her, one of her parents got sick and she graduated first in her law school class. Um, as she told us in the interview, she operates the largest law firm in Lancaster. They have two lawyers. It's a bank. So, <laughs> you know, a joke I made to Mandy now, I said, now that, you know, you are a full-time lawyer, this place could really now turn into a bank. <laughs> she, she thought it was funny, but, you know, I think too, our, you know, her race showed me how partisan politics had played a role in our in our race in South Carolina. 
we didn't get the opportunity to interview Lindsey Graham and Jamie Harrison, but I think their Senate race played such a big role in so many races in South Carolina. I had so many college students, I don't know about you, or friends and peers of mine that said when they went in, they voted straight ticket. You know, and it kind of hurt me because I wanted this podcast to be something where people got information to see um, who people were and they vote for the person. You know? our, our, our mission this election has shown is still alive. We have a bigger challenge now than I think we had going in. We have so many uh, people. Um, you have to wonder, you know, are people really voting uh, for the party or for the person? Absolutely. Um, and that, that's something we sought um, as college students to inform people on. Uh, you know, when you go into the voter, voter booth, you know, if you think that one party, every, every single one of their candidates is the best candidate, then that, that, that's okay. But for us, you know, I, I know multiple races where, you know, I had to make a choice and it was a tough choice. Um, so you kind of have to, we want people to know about these candidates and also know what's the best fit for them as a person. Absolutely. And you know, one thing about Manny Norell, there were so many people that I had spoken with in her district as well as um, 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 Senator Shaheen that made the comment, you know, man, I voted straight ticket, but I, I, I forgot to vote for Mandy. I forgot to vote for Senator Shaheen. And I'm not saying that voting straight ticket changed the race. I'm not saying that. And we're not discounting that. There is a huge amount of Republicans in this state. I'm so happy. This, you know, seeing some of these races, I was like, yes, thank God, thank God, thank God. But at the same time, it does make me think, you know, we have to do a better job educating people. We have to do a better job for us showing this is why our party is better. It's not a football game. You know, it's people's lives. It's about health care. It's about having, making sure people are insured, making sure people have a quality education. It's not a football game. It's real life. So I think it's very important when we're talking about politics that we're explaining, this is my party. This is what I believe in. This is why you support, support me. Not is you're going to support this because if you can't, you're just going to die. I mean, you know, we well, have to move I, forward I, for I that scare tactic. The point off of that is I've seen so many takes on Twitter from South Carolina representatives uh, from people in the state that know politics. The thing about the Lindsey Graham, Jamie Harrison race is that, you know, when you could turn on TV, all you would see, Lindsey Graham, Jamie Harrison, Lindsey Graham, Jamie Harrison. People got so sick of it. You saw her Facebook post, they were saying, well, my God, everything I turn on TV is Jamie Harris or Lindsey Graham. Our local candidates, uh, Democrat and Republican, were just totally destroyed by that. The race, Absolutely. Especially our Democrats. The race became nationalized. Uh, everyone thought that because you're a Democrat, you had to support uh, Pelosi and Schumer. That's just not true. Our Democrats in South Carolina are a different, uh, a different kind of Democrat. Uh, and the national nationalization of the Senate, U.S. Senate race hurt those down ballot Democrats um, and our and the Democrats' chance of picking up any seats. Absolutely, and I think it's important that we. I think it's important we say that because I think every Democrat we interviewed and we said, do you support, support and defund the um, police? And they said, no, we support most. You know, Mandy was a lawyer that said, absolutely not. Uh, Melissa Watson said, I have family members as po police officers. And we go, the list goes on. And just conversations and relationships that we have with senators and representatives, they would say that's absolutely false. But in South Carolina, that played a role. We even have Republicans say, Congressman Tom Rice, that no, I don't believe the Democrats in our state want to do that. So we, we, we have to make sure that when we're telling the stories of why you should vote for me, that we're not demonizing and lying on the other side. I think that's very important that we try to show and how we try to lie is that we maybe have different philosophies, but I'm not going to lie on the person of what Coleman believes and what he, you know, what he feels. 
I think something else that we also didn't, uh, we kind of underestimate, uh, this is kind of a, a point to the Republicans, is we underestimated the power of the sitting president. In absolutely, this state. absolutely. He, he might not have won this election. How, well, however, however, he knows how to create enthusiasm within a conservative base and turn out voters within conservative states. And when we started this, we only had one other one person on our podcast. We, it's hard to interview people like Reverend Jesse Jackson and Congressman Rice and Nancy Mays that has gotten um, endorsements from the president as well as no, have personal relationships. So sometimes it's hard to not mention the president. And we vow not to talk about the the federal races. But one thing I want to comment about the president, in South Carolina, he was strong. In Charleston, he carried that race four years ago by 13%. So thinking that he was going to come in and that was going to change was huge. And I made that, the comment that, yeah. to Coleman, I said, Nancy Mace will win this race. Because when people four years ago came, they didn't say they were going to, you know, two years ago, they came to vote for Joe Cunningham. Two years later, they're coming to vote for President Trump. And they did that. And Nancy Mace took, got the benefits from it. Um, that also says a lot about this, the challenge that remains in South Carolina. I mean, we think about these swing states, there's a lot more independent voters. You have an electorate in, you know, say Michigan or say Wisconsin that can go from voting, you know, five points for Trump to two or three points for Biden. I mean, there's a lot of room to wiggle. In South Carolina, we don't have that same electorate. Our challenge is right here in front of us that we have party voters on both sides of the aisle that we need to seek to educate so that they can find a fit for them. Well, I think I think Nancy, not Nancy, um, Mandy did a very good job in a comment she made to me recently. She said, Trump is strong in the rural areas. I look at where I live in Dillon County. We had President Trump win. We had Congressman Tom Rice win. We had, catch this, Senator um, Lindsey Graham lost. Jamie Harrison won Dillon County, as well as Douglas Purnell. Two Democrats, two Republicans who won county races. And I think that's a testament that there are people in South Carolina that vote for individuals. But our work is not done. Our work won't be done until people understand you only vote straight ticket when you believe in everybody on the straight ticket. I mean, it's that simple. And so I want to move on a little bit as we close on our conversation about political people to talk about Tom Rice and talk about Melissa. You know, Tom Rice won that race almost by 20 percent. He did. Um, and I do think it's a testament of the job Tom Rice has done in Dillon. So I will say that before we get started on that. But I think the only thing that I would like to see more in politics, especially in congressional races, that we have people having more debates. Absolutely. You know, Lincoln Douglas, this was 1850. They had seven debates. The presidents these days can't even get past one. So we need to make sure that when we're talking about political discourse, that we're being honest with the voters. So that was and one that, thing I would like to have also, more we're race. making discourse available. We, I mean, we want to make sure, uh, you know, no matter if you're an incumbent and you're beating your opponent by 20 or 40 or 50, discourse is important. Having debates is important. We argue I, all the time. I would challenge, <laughs> I would challenge anyone running for office, no matter where you are, no matter how comfortable you are, have discourse with your opponents and make that available to the voters. Absolutely. Also, when you're in office, it's important that you engage with your constituents on a regular basis. Absolutely. Make yourself available. 
and I want to say this because I know we brought up Congressman Rice and we're not hitting at him because Congressman Rice has always made his office open to us. I have a great friendship with him. I have a great relationship. Anytime I call or text, he's available. And so I am, so, and, you know, I support our Congress member, but I think it's important for us too to be able to speak truth where we feel there's truth and to be honest with people. And I think that's what our podcast has done. There's two people I want to... And I think, I, think, I, I think we show that. You know, me and DeCord both, we work for uh, Congressman Rice. But just because you work for somebody doesn't mean you can't challenge them. Absolutely. I, I, I appreciate the congressman and everything he's done. At the same time, though, we, when, we, when we find an issue that we want to challenge you on in this podcast, whether you're our friend like Mandy Powers Norrell, or you're someone we work for like Congressman Rice, or... You know, you're someone, a big star that we're meeting the first time like Nancy Mace. Or Jesse Jackson. If, if, if we want to challenge you on a subject, we're willing to do that because we represent both sides of the aisle. And not only that, we, we represent making sure the voters know what's going on. It's the sole important part of any journalism station is making sure they're honest with people. And that's what we were so frustrated with. So when I think about people like Jesse Jackson and Pamela, uh, Pamela, pa Pamela Evett, Coleman wasn't with us when we actually, when I interviewed Pamela Evett, but we talked about why she felt voters were going to vote for Lindsey Lindsey Graham as well as why Jesse Jackson uh, felt that voters were going to vote for um, Jamie Harrison. Pamela Evett was right. I mean, she felt that it was Amy Cole Barrett, uh, Amy Barrett, that played a huge well, role. Something we I've t told you multiple times, um, and just kind of wrap up that that section, is that. The polls don't always know what's right. I've told you this multiple times. What are people actually saying on the ground? Absolutely. Je Jesse Jackson, I know he, he can't be here right now. He couldn't be in, in the state. But Pamela, she lives and works with South Carolinians every day. Well, and, and I want to say that. I know me and Pamela are friends. And there's no, um, anybody that knows me know we have a very strong relationship. But she does know the state. She does know what de the Democrats are doing. She does know what Republicans are doing because she t works every day to travel the state. Um, when there's people that invite her on the other side, she goes. She lists. And, and she talks. On, on the other side of that aisle, on the other side, on the Democrat side of the aisle, you have uh, Representative Jim Clyburn. Absolutely. Who no one knows the electorate in South Carolina more than Jim Clyburn. I mean, when he made an endorsement in the presidential race, it made a every every single voter or half of them said, "All right." It just swung in that swung into place. And, and and don't get me wrong, Jim is somebody that I like, somebody I know. His I'm very close with Tony Clyburn, and you're absolutely right. But I would consider Jim a king of politics in the Democratic Party. Because of him, Joe Biden is be called President elect. Because of him, Joe Biden and Kamala begin be, will be able to serve the country in January. And you know. I know it's a shoe that we don't want to talk about and something that we don't want to but, talk about. Well, we but, can't. But we I'm can't. going to make a comment. You know, the president has every ability to um, challenge the election. Al Gore as well as George Bush did. But at the end of the day, it's the American people that decides on an election. Um, it's the media's job to report the election after the American people have decided it. And so... I do feel like our election was secure. I do feel like we had a fair process. I am so happy in South Carolina for all the hard workers that worked so hard to make sure the election were secure, that put their lives, their family lives on the line to make sure that people can vote. And they did that. They did it. And so now I think it's time for the country to move forward. And I am so happy this podcast can help do that. Yeah, we are so excited for the future of this podcast. We have so much excitement in the state. Um, so going forward, we really just want to focus on 
all of these people who have been elected. We want to hold them accountable in their office. We want to report to the public on what people are doing. Uh, you know, we have some great new mayors elected. We have a new mayor in Florence, um, South Carolina, the, uh, one of the first African-American women to hold uh, be a mayor of a major city. Uh, we have an exciting uh, presidential transition. Uh, we have uh, a new congresswoman in uh, South Carolina District and in, 1. And in the PD, in the Fourth Circuit, with Dillon and Marlboro and Chesterfield, the first time in history in South Carolina ever, we have four black sheriffs, the highest position of this, um, in a constitutional office in a county, running those four counties. You know, that, that is a huge testament of the voters down there. We also have an opportunity to start covering uh, the governor's race, Absolutely. which will be uh, in two years. So we're really excited about that, as well as Tim Scott's uh, Senate race, which if there's an opponent arising, it'll start coming uh, very soon. Absolutely. Uh, but so before we take this break um, in our podcast, we want to thank all of our viewers. And for, I just want, I want for, to say this. I hope this, this semester um, and this season, we inspired someone. You know, it wasn't about just getting the vote out. It was about making sure that other people can see two people with two different political views can be friends. They can be humans. They can disagree without being disagreeable. And I think I am so happy of the love that and the friendship we're able to show to everybody, but I hope that it's able to spread across the apps. I hope people will be able to understand that people are more than just their politics. They have families, they have values, they have faiths. And a party doesn't define that. We have more in common than what divides us. And I think uh, if we had more friendships um, like, like me and Ja'Cory have, I think, this, I think the world would be a better place. Um, someone told me uh, a couple of days ago that you know three-fourths of all Republicans don't have a single Democratic friend, and three-fourths of all Republicans don't have a single Democratic friend. I said it backwards. But you know, it's funny. I have a lot of Democrat friends, and I'll give some of them a shout-out to Senator um, um, Kent Williams and um, Senator Jeremy Malloy um, and Cohen Bryant and it's not that I can't name all of them a representative <laughs> Lucas Atkinson, Manny Norrell several several friends on other sides that you know we are great friends people that I have served and helped them in their office and their campaigns and people I talk to sometimes on a weekly basis it's about moving the state forward and keeping a dialogue and that's, and that's something we do every week we pride ourselves on uh, if, you, if you have a friend on the other side of the aisle, you can be friends with them. There is so much that we have in common. We have more in common than what divides us. Absolutely. We both enjoy sports. We both enjoy drinking beer. We both enjoy going out to eat. And then we also enjoy having a healthy dialogue where we disagree with each other. We get mad at each other. We get happy with each other. We, we do. I mean, it's, it's, it's everything in between. And I think, and, that, and that's okay. And I think as we close this, I want to show people, because this semester, you know, we had podcasts that's coming out left and right. And I had to tell Coleman, because sometimes Coleman was like, oh, my God, we're going to stop. And I'm like, dude, in the political scene, we're busy. So one thing that we're going to focus on this offseason is finding a date that we're going to say, this is our date we're come out. This is what our season is going to be about. And this was a learning aspect for us. We learned a lot. We yeah. grew a lot. Um, we got a lot of support, a lot of sponsorships. But it was a huge test run. And I look at this building where we are, and it's a huge testament from when we started, we probably had five for $10 and an idea. And I look at where we started and the people around us taking pictures, videoing, supporting us, and it's, it's huge. And so I am so happy of the job we were able to do and the support across this state. And before we close, I really want to give a big shout out to Holiday Brewing uh, for having us here today. Uh, we're, we're so excited to have uh, some of our friends here to celebrate with us this season. 
Uh, I'm happy they sponsored us. And, and we can't thank them enough um, for their support um, and letting us film here today. Um, and with that, I, th I think that's... I think we're ending our last episode of this season. And, you know, we'll start back in January to talk about the education bill, talk about the state house and the Senate funding, because we will be pushing on both sides for Republicans and Democrats to do what they said they were going to do. So thank you so much for joining us, and we'll get to work. Thank you.